Happy weekend to you folks. Happy day off in the National Hockey League. The calm before the storm. Yes, playoff time is upon us. Little playoff preview pod today. Mike Johnson and Pierre Lebrun getting set to join us in just a minute. We'll make our Stanley Cup playoff picks. Well, at least some of us will. Some of us are opposed to making picks in the postseason, but... Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We'll give Pierre a, uh, a rough enough time about that. But we're going to bat it around and have a little bit of fun. Got your back, NHL edition, brought to you by Cross Country Canada Supplies and Rentals. They provide equipment and supplies to all facets of the Canadian construction industry. But what sets them apart? That get-or-done attitude. It's a core value of the company. They have it proudly displayed on the walls at their head office. I've been there. I've seen it. It's a great crew down at Cross Country Canada Supplies and Rentals, a big part of some of the biggest construction projects this country does, and proud sponsors here on Got Your Back NHL Edition. Happy weekend to you, fellas. Everybody enjoying a day off before we all get crazy? Oh, well, sounds of summer right there. Cracking a cold one. <laughs> There's the sponsorship play right there. What do you got, Pierre? Oh, Moosehead, is that? Moosehead Lager, yeah. Mm-hmm. Moosehead Lager. Isn't that from out east? Isn't that like a Halifax-based place? Of course. Nova Scotia. There you go. There you Good go. Buddy. Yeah, listen. Speak for yourselves. I'm, I'm working wrong. today. You guys are floating around having beers and chilling. I'm, I'm, I'm at work here. What are you doing? What do you got going on, Johnny? We're I'm at the NHL Network. We're recording playoff previews and oh, okay. stuff. You know, always something. So you got enough going on, and are you? Uh, how's your NHL schedule shaping up? Are you allowed? Like, what's your? Where are you going to be? What are you going to be up to? Can you tell us yet? Yeah, for the first couple for the first round, I'll be kind of bouncing between NHL Network and TSN Studio stuff. No more calling games for me into the World Championship, so that's three or three and a half weeks away before I leave for that in Riga. So, yeah, just floating around uh, studio work, which is will be nice. Actually, I'm going to be in Toronto for like ten days in a row, which is almost unheard of. For yeah, me. that's a change. Wow, eh? Like yeah. it's busy during the year. Pierre, what do you yeah. got, buddy? Leafs Lightning is on tap for me for the Athletic and TSN. Looking forward to it. I actually have not covered a lot of Leaf playoff series in my career. It's weird. I live here, but when the playoffs come, I usually go somewhere else. I yeah. see you in San Jose all those years, Pierre. You and I yeah. used to be in the He San always Jose. takes the California trips. Yeah. He always somehow uh, ends up in the sun. I covered both LA Cup runs. I enjoy, I enjoy the Western Conference. Lots of Chicago Blackhawks back in the yeah. day. But uh, some Oilers last year, a couple rounds. Yeah, but uh, the Leafs, you know, and if they if they finally win a playoff series, they may force me to cover them every year. I mean, that, you know, <laughs> between you getting forced to cover them, me being on Zach Zach Aston Reese's payroll, we're gonna be tied into the Leafs for good. Yeah, well, I'm it's gonna now. I I, I don't want to Google while we're while we're taping this, but now I don't remember if it's Nova Scotia or New Brunswick for said. Oh, I feel like someone should should check that. Oh, it's gonna bug me the entire show. Oh, well, if you have a second, check your phone real quick while I'm doing one of the ad reads or something like that. Uh, plan today on the podcast, guys. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about news and notes, things that we have happened here in the last 24 hours or so. We'll deal with that first. And then we're going to get to uh, uh, previewing all eight series. Not going to go a super long time, but we'll just uh, run, run them through what's notable. Johnny and I are going to make picks. Because we're not afraid to put ourselves out there, Johnny, to you know yeah, expose ourselves to a little embarrassment. Not everybody's will, is willing to. I will, give you, uh, I will see, give you a Stanley Cup final pick. Okay, well, it's a start, but I don't see yeah. Shoggy. You're looking at it all wrong. You said it opens us up to embarrassment. It opens us up to glory. True, and and people being amazed at our knowledge and our ability to accurately predict yeah. what's going to happen in the playoffs. That's what I look at it. Seldom do you hear people getting ripped on for picks they made that didn't go right. Unless it's some ridiculous thing like, didn't Craig Button call the Flames to win the Cup this year or something like that? I mm, I feel like maybe I heard that. Or maybe yeah. I'm throwing him right under the bus right now. I'm maybe. not sure. But Point I being, so. we seldom get bludgeoned with our wrong picks, Pierre. Yeah, no. It's, uh, I learned this from Bob McKenzie years ago and he stopped doing picks and I, and he's my mentor. So I stopped making picks. There you go. He doesn't have a podcast where you go on and make picks. I got lots to share. Let's go. <laughs> all right. All right. Let's rock and roll. All right. Let's do our breakdown segment guys brought to you by Kuma outdoor gear. Uh, they got a wide range of gear to fit all your outdoor needs from tents and sleeping bags to travel games, pet products and drinkware. And uh, they're really fired up about their new switchback heated chair. It's the world's first heated chair powered by Bluetooth technology. It's got dual heat zones in the seat in the back. 
You can micro adjust the temperature from your phone. It's awesome. You can preheat it before you go outside and sit down. That is the uh, switchback chair from our good friends over at Kuma Outdoor Gear. All right, it was a pretty active day yesterday as, a, as a, you know the season came to an end and news started coming down. Pierre, maybe just uh, a thought on uh, the coaching carousel that has opened up a little bit here. We'll run it down. Dallas Aikens uh, in Anaheim out. Larson in Columbus, same thing. Uh, Washington and LaViolette agree to part ways. And then the Blues, uh, Craig McTavish and Van Ryan get removed off their staff. But the, the LaViolette one is interesting, Pierre, in that it, it, it sounds mm-hmm. like he uh, kind of made the call here. First of all, Moosehead from St. John, New Brunswick. All so right, I'm glad I cleared my okay. conscience there. As a guy who goes to Prince Edward Island every summer, I'd be embarrassed if I got that wrong. Um, yeah, so our understanding of that situation, listen, it could be that the Caps were going to end up getting there themselves, and I think that's why they announced it as a mutual decision of to part ways. But my sense of it is that this is, this is very much Peter Laviolette betting on himself and going to market. Uh, mm. You know, his deal was up June 30th. There are some openings. Um, beyond that, I wouldn't want to speculate uh, as to why he wants a fresh start. But but that is my understanding that this is as much him as as the team, and and that's fine. Uh, you know, everyone's an adult. Um, but you got to know if you're the next coach going into Washington that while there's a lot, still a lot of talent there, and the Caps intend to try and pivot and be competitive again next year. The, so much of this is about Alex Ovechkin chasing a goals record. And and that interests me coaching-wise, MJ, hmm. if you go in there knowing that that's a big part of this. It's fun. It's going to be one of the big stories. But there's also winning yeah. <laughs> that coaches like to do. So, you know. Yeah, well, you wonder if you can't do both, though. I mean, that would be the challenge of the new coach, right? Like, having Ovi score lots of goals would be part and parcel of, of trying to win in Washington the way that team sure. is put together right now anyways. But um, the only thing I thought is if you're going to not bring him back, if that's where they're going to get to, you can hardly blame Laviolette for this year because oh, with the amount of injuries injury. they had, I mean, like I don't care mm-hmm. who they had behind the bench. No one was going to. The team was going to be, if everyone was healthy, tight to make the playoffs then you factor in these massive long-term injuries. I mean, it, it's not on the players, it's not on the coaches. They just didn't have the bodies around all year long. So so we'll see what happens next year. And I, I imagine Lavi is, uh, feels pretty good about his chances of, of landing on his feet as soon as next year, I guess. Yeah, I mean, we'll see where Columbus and Anaheim goes with their coaching search. Both organizations have indicated to me that, that these are going to be really wide open. No one, you know, there's no lead, lead horse right out of the bat. Wide open searches here for both the Ducks and, and the Blue Jackets. But the question is, you know, do they end up gravitating to- towards an up-and-comer or do they want the brand name? The number one free agent candidate with the brand name is Peter Laviolette. Three, three mm-hmm. trips to the Cup Finals with three different teams, et cetera. But whether or not those teams who are rebuilding view him as a fit is, you know, I, I can't answer that right now. Mm-hmm. Does uh, winning the Connor Bedard sweepstakes change your focus <laughs> on who you bring in as a head coach, Johnny? Do you, do you if if that ends up happening, do you get a certain type of coach to handle that situation, or does it matter? I, I think it probably should. I mean, the ch- there's a chance that he's good enough that it would warrant being a factor, not the deciding factor. Like we got to go get an offensive guy because we got this right. guy now. As opposed to if we don't, we're going to get a defensive coach. I don't know if it's quite to that extent, but if you have a guy who has a history of bad relationships with young players. Maybe that's a guy that you want to you know, want to think twice about before making Connor Bedard, you know, his Connor Bedard is that his first coach. Maybe something along those lines. Um, but I mean, I think about like you think about Anaheim. Whoever goes in there better be a defensive coach. I mean, they came up four something goals a game. <laughs> they did. Dally, I love you, but like that yeah. was horrendous defensively. They got to get better at that, Bardard or not. And and in Columbus, Columbus is interesting because. They got Johnny Gaudreau last year. They, they you know, they, they're an active team. They may get Connor Bedard this year. They haven't been really good. Pierre, I don't even know how this works for coaches. But, like, if you're a good enough coach where you sort of get to, you know, have some say in where you want to go, like you would maybe turn down a job, like a player might not sign in a particular city. Yeah. Um, like you wonder if Columbus is a place where coaches might be like, hmm, that might not be option one. I, I have no idea. So it really comes down to your stature in the coaching fraternity. Like Pete DeBoer last summer had different options and he 
he, he chose Dallas. You don't always get different options as a coach. Sometimes you take what's there. And, you know, I'll give you an example. Uh, you know, Andre Turing, he took the job in Arizona a couple of years ago. You know, may not have been the most appealing job ever for a lot of other people with more stature because of the teardown that was coming and, 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 mm-hmm. and the path there in terms of how long it's going to be before their contenders. But for him, it was his first crack at it. So, of mm-hmm. course, he jumped on it. So, it really depends where you are in your career and in the cycle. Um, to Ryan's point, if if Anaheim or Columbus get Connor Bedard, that suddenly becomes a more attractive proposition. The other thing about Columbus is that in chatting with Yarmulke Kalinin a couple of weeks ago, they don't, they, they're not viewing this as a long rebuild. Uh, you know, they had a lot of injuries this year. Zach Rinsky barely played all year. They, they believe that they're a few moves away from being a lot better. A year ago, they had, uh, you know, they finished 10th in the East. Um, they have that second first-round pick, the one they got from L.A. in the uh, Corpy Salo and uh, Gavrikov deal, and they intend to trade that pick to get a top-four defenseman right. to mm-hmm. replace Gavrikov. So Columbus is hoping to fast-track itself as opposed to where I think there's a more organic thing happening in Anaheim. Right. Interesting. We'll see. And, and, and Shoggy. So I don't know the, the, the mechanics behind why you let go of two assistant coaches, but not the head coach. And like, mm-hmm. while assistant coaches are a big part of a team, um, Mac T and Mike Van Ryan uh, getting let go in, in St. Louis is always peculiar because <laughs> it's, it's the head coach. Yeah. And whatever happens is on the head coach. Um, you know, like I don't think the, the assistants should probably get too much credit. They probably don't get too much blame. It's odd that they keep the head coach. Not that they shouldn't have, but that they chose specifically just to let go or part ways with two assistant coaches. That also is like, I mean, how bad you got to be that like this head coach is okay, but you're not like, that doesn't seem particularly fair. Well, Craig Burby signed, Craig Burby signed an extension. I think it was it a year ago. I yeah. He's got a couple of years on this. Yeah. So, you know, coaches are making more money than ever. And I think there are times where that makes, that has an impact on some of these decisions. For example, two of the three coaches that are gone now from the last 48 hours, Peter Laviolette and uh, Dallas Aikens were free agents. Their deals were expiring. Brad Larson fired on Saturday morning, had just one more year left on his deal. Mm-hmm. You know, I can't believe that there are people out there thinking, well, we'll see what the new GM in Pittsburgh thinks about Mike Sullivan. Mike Sullivan's extension, which will make him the highest paid coach in the NHL, mm. um, or at least top three at, at north of 5.3 million, doesn't kick in until 24. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think he's getting fired. Yeah. No. Like, yeah. There's a reason why he's on the search committee for the GM. That's going to be his yeah. boss. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that plays into it. That guys that are either yeah. up or just have a year left are easier to replace. Sometimes sure. too. On the blues too, Johnny, I think there was a pretty significant drop off in their penalty kill uh, last year to this year. And sometimes those, uh, you know, assistants are yeah, in charge those, of specific things. Right. And yeah, I, but wouldn't surprise me to see Craig McTavish uh, pop up on a television screen somewhere near you uh, sometime here, uh, if not in the playoffs, then maybe and, next and year. And just to so. wrap up the coaching thing, Ryan, uh, since <laughs> we were on it, that with uh, Laviolette and Aikens gone right now, we're down to one NHL head coach on an expiring deal hmm. that's still working, and that's Lindy Ruff in New Jersey. Wow. Um, and that situation will resolve itself either way after the season. He's done a great job, might get nominated for the Jack Adams but they also brought in Andrew Burnett last summer. So we'll see where all that goes. But otherwise, there's seven other NHL head coaches. I won't go through them, but seven other NHL head coaches with one year left on their deal Mm -hmm. going into next year. I want to chuck a name out really quick, and then we'll move on. Um, Wherever Bedard ends up going, right? If he goes somewhere where there's an opening, um, guy that's got some experience working with a generational-type player, uh, making sure the power play works around him, uh, been a head coach before. Softer touch, I think, is the consideration. Uh, I don't know if Glenn Gulletson, if there's another head coaching look mm. for him or not, but he's been at the helm of this uh, this power play in terms of working with those high-end players and making sure it stays at a really high level. He's been a head coach before. Don't know if that would potentially be mm. a fit or not, but depending on what the orders do here, uh, a guy that's probably looking to get back into the head coaching ranks. Maybe a slide into like one of those. I don't even know which ones. Which which one's higher, PR associate or assistant? I don't yeah. even know. But maybe associate, associate. associate okay. the, uh, higher yeah. paying senior. Okay. So maybe he, maybe he's an option as like an associate. Like maybe yeah. not quite the head coach, but we're you know recognizing your reports by paying you somewhere 
more than a regular assistant coach. Yeah. yeah. Was just down at Oilers practice this morning and they were working on their power play and Gully was out there, just got thinking, just wonder, wonder what that might be his experience working with a guy like McDavid and and success on that power. Has that power play been any good this year? Yeah, it's or been okay. Boy, really took a dip years. when Evan Bouchard took over. Hey, from Tyson Berry. Like <laughs> he might might have gotten better. Was I uh, I was concerned about that when the Oilers I thought, ah, let's see. Uh, man, he's just he's grabbed the opportunity. He's been great. We'll talk about that in our uh, playoff preview. Okay, guys, let's get to our playoff preview, and it's going to be brought to you uh, by Liberty Smart Security, a company that specializes in having your back. High-quality advanced smart security systems for your home or your business. They use leading-edge technology to protect the things that you value most in your life. Your home is your castle, so protect it with Liberty Smart Security. Uh, okay, Johnny, let's start in the East. Uh, and we might as well start with the Toronto Maple Leafs and the Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, listening, paying attention, Toronto is very clearly the, the pick everybody is making, uh, the pick I'm going to make here. Do you see a pathway for Tampa Bay, Johnny, getting by Toronto here? Or do you think that this edition of the Leafs just has enough stuff figured out? Well, I think both are true. Like I, I'm picking the Leafs as well. I'll put it out there. Yeah, I think the Leafs are going to win this series. Uh, but the path for Tampa, I mean, the easiest and most obvious one is the goaltender. And Andre Vasilevsky, the way he can play in, the way he has played in the past in the playoffs, and, and maybe the goaltender on the flip side in Toronto's corner, if Samsonov stumbles or injured or whatever, he doesn't have a great run of playoff success in his past. So the goaltending equation, if it falls decidedly in Tampa's favor, they have a really good chance of winning. The other part would be if... The matchup game falls in Tampa's favor where Sorelli sort of digs in at Matthews a little bit. Mm-hmm. And then whoever Sheldon Keefe tries to play against Braden Point and Kucherov struggle. If that happens, then again, Tampa's got a really good chance. And the last bit I'd say would be if the pressure ratchets is up. Like if, right. if, Tar- if Toronto splits the first two games. Then they're going back down to Tampa where Tampa's a really good team. Yeah. And the longer the series goes and the more it stays tight – the more the history that is unavoidable for these players now um, starts to become a factor. So you, you mix all that in, and it's compelling because Toronto's been the better team. Tampa's been a 500 team for two and a half months. Their depth is not as good. They are older. Hedman looks like he might be hurt. There's a whole bunch of reasons why Toronto is better positioned this year than last, but there's not a tricky path, Pierre, to find Tampa winning this series. So Thursday is April 20th, and that is the 19-year anniversary of the Leafs clinching their last playoff series win in 2004, beating the Senators in Game 7. Joe Neuendijk scored twice. I'm sure you'll be there bringing that up to them, by the way, on Thursday. No, because... Well, they don't care. The guys don't care. I I don't think the 19 years has anything to do with this. They were barely even alive when that happened. Yeah. To put it in context, that was the same year Tampa won its first cup as an organization with Marty St. Louis, Vincent LeCavalier, Brad Richards, etc. Uh, that's the last time they won a playoff series. That doesn't have a whole lot to do with this particular group in Toronto, except that this is their seventh shot at it as a group under Matthews and Marner. You know, this is seven years in a row in the playoffs, seven years in a row with an elite team. Um, I think they do win. Um I've done something that's going to run Monday in the athletic that I did for the battle of Alberta last year, guys, where I've, I've canvassed so far today, a bunch of different executives and coaches around the NHL and asked for their pick in this series and why. Um, and so far I've got 14 responses, four coaches and 10 front office guys. It's 10, four for the leaps. Hmm. And hmm. a lot of these people a year ago were picking Tampa. So it gives you, a very neutral idea from rival NHL people that they are seeing the same growth in the Leafs and being more playoff ready. And perhaps also seeing, judging from some of the responses I've gotten, some of the perhaps lack erosion now that Tampa has. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And I I think the Leafs are going to win as well. I I think that Ryan O'Reilly is the X factor in this series for me. Um, I I think he's going to – show us and remind us why he was a playoff MVP and um, and have some pretty big moments in this series. The only thing that would worry me is the obvious is that Andre Vasilevsky steals a game early and the Leafs feel that burden. Are they susceptible? What are you going to say? Are they yeah. to the here we go again stuff? Do you think this... I mean, I mean there's loud rush hockey. 
It's yeah. really loud. It was yeah. like, it, it's like, what are you going to say? They had 111 points. They were 12 points better than Tampa, whatever it ended up being. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But they're human and they could try to block it out and they could turn off their socials and they not listen to the radio mm-hmm. or podcast or TV. But it is deafening how loud that will get if they get into any kind of tight spot. So, um, and, and that's their burden to carry the guys who've been here for seven years. Absolutely. Like that's, it's, it's, yeah. it's on them to make that go away. And there's only one way to make it go away. Yep. 114 days they've either been positioned uh, in second or third that we've sort of seen this thing coming. So they've had a long time to brace themselves for it. Love Jake McCabe too. Just the, the, the right type of player added at the right time between O'Reilly and McCabe. Love those additions. Uh, so I'm taking the Leafs. Johnny, you're taking the Leafs. Pierre, you actually made a call on this one and are taking the Leafs too. Uh, the season series, Leafs 2-0-1 against them. Florida and Boston. There were two teams in the league this year uh, to get multiple wins against the Boston Bruins. The Florida Panthers were one. The Ottawa Senators uh, were the other. Uh, I mean, <laughs> I don't know. I don't think any... Uh, there's always an upset, but it just... And sometimes when a team has an unbelievable regular season, you kind of... You feel like, ah, they just maybe they're susceptible because it just everything went white right during the regular season. But I, ju- I don't see a pathway here. Boston is just, to me, Johnny, they're just too good. And I don't see potential upset here in this series. Yes, I have Boston winning if we're making our picks right away. Of course, how could you not? But I am of the mind that Florida is not going to be easy mm-hmm. for Boston. Right. I think Florida is a strong five-on-five team. You look at their underlying numbers, very strong. They haven't had good goaltending. Now, I don't know that they're going to get good goaltending, but if they did, Mm -hmm. and then they carry that strong five-on-five game forward, you know, it gets a little bit sticky. It gets just a little bit sticky. Um, You know, we know that the game, when it gets chaotic, when it gets emotional, when it gets a little frenetic, Florida doesn't mind that at all. When the game is structured, methodical, emotionless, not that they don't play with emotion, but, you know, just very much under control, Boston will crush them in that game. So the really question is, can Florida get the temperature sort of bubbling in a way that favors them and not Boston? And I'm assuming, Pierre, that Bob's going to play. Like, the fact that Alex Lyon gave up five in his last game against Carolina makes it easier to say, you know what, thank you. We appreciate the playoffs. Nice work. Yep. Bob's been sitting there for 10 days, healthy now. He's going to start. And if it doesn't go well, then maybe Lyon gets game three or something, but by then the playoffs, the series will be over. But I think Bob's going to play. And if he plays well, Pierre, then I give, I give Panthers a chance. I am taking Boston, but it's not out of the question they're going to win some games here and make this a tougher series than some might think. As we tape this, Paul Maurice, the Panthers head coach, hasn't actually tipped his hand on who his goalie will be, which is natural at this time of year. I bet you Alex Lyon does start game one, and I think that Sergei Bobrovsky mm. is is the ultimate bullpen play for game two if they lose game one. That's how I think it's going to play out. I'm not saying I agree with it, but I have a feeling that's what they're going to do because Alex Lyon got them in the playoffs with that late-season run. Either way, if you believe in weird you know, links to past playoff series – when the uh, Tampa Bay Lightning had the then tied the NHL record with 62 wins in 2018-19, the Columbus Blue Jackets, of course, swept them in the opening round. The assistant GM for that Blue Jackets team was Bill Zito, who's now the Florida GM, and the goalie, of course, for Columbus was Sergei Brodsky. Um, So I'm just saying if you're really Guaranteeing trying to... Guaranteeing a Florida victory is what he just did. Yep. Oh, well, no. For a guy who doesn't uh, make predictions, you just made two. <laughs> Drop on no, Florida. I'm, I'm, I uh, I'm, I'm taking Boston, but I agree with uh, yeah. I agree with MJ that I actually I, I'm going to be surprised if the Panthers can squeeze out two wins there before bowing out. You know, don't forget that President's Trophy curse. Uh, eight of yeah. 36 years they've won the cup and haven't at all in the last nine years. But it feels like if there was a team to do it, this year's edition of the Bruins uh, might be that team. And Shaggy, also just the subplot of Kachuk and Marchand in this series will be yeah. worth the price of admission because two guys who are at the very top of their game in both their ability to play, but their ability, ability to agitate. Yeah. And they'll be going at each other and going at the opposition and, and that, that will be um, fun to watch. And, and, and subplot number two, who does Ratko Gudas take out in the opening game or two for <laughs> the Bergeron if he can. Yeah. 
Season series 2-2 uh, between those two teams. All right, let's uh, pick up the pace here. New York Rangers and uh, the New Jersey Devils. Um, it's the first time that the Devils have faced the Rangers in a series where they've had the better regular season record. Innocuous little stat. Pulled it off the website. Uh, the Hughes brothers will be interesting to watch. Uh, I got the New Jersey Devils here. Uh, I think it's going to be a long series. Um, I just like New Jersey's speed. Uh, I like the way the team plays, the additions they made. Johnny, what do you think here, man? I'm with you. I got the Devils. Now, it's wow. funny. I'm around New York, and there's people in this area that I work with that, that are extraordinarily bullish on the Rangers. Like, they think they are right. poised to go not just through New Jersey, but four rounds. Like they think they're going to the final and, and maybe they have that kind of team, but um, the series of the season has kind of been back and forth. The Rangers have struggled with the devil speed as have so many teams. Uh, again, we're going to say this multiple times comes down a lot to Vanacek versus Shurkin. Right. Vanacek can give something like what he gave in the regular season, which is basically what Shurkin did. Then the devils will win. I just think their pace will be more than the Rangers can handle. The Rangers kind of make it more physical and a little bit slower and the goaltenders matter. Then the Rangers, this is going to be a, like a long series, seven-gamer, but I have the Devils. I, I I like them all year long, and if it's a copycat league, I want them to win because I want teams to try to play like they do. I think this is the closest series of all eight in the mm. first round of the Stanley Cup playoffs. Mm. I think this is the most pick him series of all the series, honest to God. I think it's a flip of a coin. Um, and I think if, if you force me to make a pick, which I'm not making, not making officially, but I think Shesterkin would be the difference to me. Um, and part and part of you know part of why I would say that too is that I think you forget how much road the Devils have traveled here in eight months. They were a team that were completely out of it a year ago. That people were a lot of people were picking as their surprise team this year. But what exactly does that mean? Like make the playoffs, get in. They end up being a powerhouse. That's a giant leap. In eight months. And I think they're on their way. I think the doubles are going to be a contender for years now. Mm-hmm. The way Tom Fitzgerald's built this team. But I think that sometimes you take that giant step and then the playoffs come and it's like, ooh, are we really ready? I wouldn't be surprised if the Rangers won. Well, that's what Andre Palat's for. That's what Timo Meyer's for. Yeah. You mm-hmm. know, some of these guys they brought in to kind of help them in that regard uh, to make them make them a little bit better. So what will be interesting too is uh, while you mentioned Jersey has home ice, like the Prudential Center is going to be 50-50. It's going to be like seven home games for the Rangers or something like that. So that's another factor in this, you know, seven-mile-apart series. All right, Carolina Hurricanes and the New York Islanders. Canes were 3-1 and against the Isles this season. We get into some injury discussion here uh, with Barzal and Likely. Svechnikov, Patch already out. Um, I, I yeah, go. Um, Matt Barzell. Matt Barzell said yesterday he thought he, he was he, he planned on he playing. Said he's game playing. Oh, did yeah, he, he say he that he was did. playing? So, I saw. Yeah, I sorry, Barzell guys. I saw something this morning the, that he was not going to be in. But that might might be. Oh, I might have okay. read something a few days old. So never mind that. So the injuries, I guess, a little bit more uh, with focus on Carolina uh, with Svechnikov and Pacioretty. I was going to take the Islanders anyways with the criteria that I had. Hmm. I just love their goaltender, man. I think of all of the guys that can can goalie a team. Uh, I just that guy is so good, Sorokin. Uh, so I, I I've got it in a longer series, Johnny, six games. But uh, taking them, there's always there's always an upset somewhere in the mix. Right, that's the thing. Going chalk never works because it never happens. And yet here I am saying I think Carolina is going to win. I, 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 but I don't say it with nearly the confidence I would have said it six weeks ago. Yeah. And I've been bullish on Carolina. I like the way they play. I believe in Rod Brindamore. I like Freddie Anderson as a person. I want him to kind of prove the doubters wrong. I mm-hmm. like when guys, you know, can kind of conquer some hurdles that they haven't climbed before. I'm concerned about the goaltending situation in Carolina. They were scratchy down the stretch. They had a hard time scoring goals. Um, can you count on your defenseman scoring so much as part of your offensive game plan? I don't and know. That seems like a lower risk proposition. And they score a ton, Brady Shea, Brent Burns, Pasha, you name it. But um, I have Carolina winning. I think it's going to go seven. And um, again, this would be in the East. If there's going to be an upset, this would be the one. And the Hurricanes struggled to score in the playoffs a year ago. It ended up being their downfall. And so they go out and they add Patch Reddy last summer, knowing that he, you know, he, he had the Achilles uh, injury right after. But their, but their thing was, we'll get him back to the playoffs. 
unfortunately gets hurt again. They lose Feshnikov, huge injury for that team. Like probably their most dynamic offensive player next to Aho. Uh, so offense is a grind, and and they tried so hard to get Timo Meyer. And you hate to play the what if game. They tried hard to get Matthew Kachuk last summer. They were the runner-up team in the trade talks with Calgary on Matthew Kachuk. Didn't get Kachuk. Didn't get Timo Meyer. I mean, those pieces on this team would have made such a big difference. Not from a lack of trying. Don Waddell has done everything he can to bring in another piece for this team, but it hasn't. It hasn't happened. They get the bad luck with Svechnikov. Um, this will be the lowest scoring series of the first round of the playoffs yeah. I think, <laughs> because the Islanders struggle to manufacture as well. Um, I think Carolina prevails, but uh, it's going to be close. Second best penalty kill in the league this year, the Carolina Hurricanes. An innocuous stat, they have killed 26 of the Islanders' 27 uh, power plays dating back to 2019. So... Uh, there's one for you. Two one games can you get in a series? Yeah. I don't know. We All of them. Out. All of the games. Yeah. All right, let's shift over to the Western Conference. We will start where I am here in Edmonton. It's the Oilers and the Los Angeles Kings, the uh, the hottest team in the league right now. The Oilers go barreling into this series. Uh, Pierre, we'll let you get started with this one, my man. Uh, we covered a bunch of this one last year. What do you think? Yeah, I think the Oilers win this, but but I got to tell you. <laughs> Of all the teams that I didn't want Edmonton to face in the first round, L.A. was probably it. I, I just – Kopitar, who's had a bounce-back uh, defensive year, mm-hmm. and and Philip Deneau is always a thorn in anyone's side, played well against McDavid and Dreisaitl last year. Um, they're, they're just they, – they, they grind out games. And, uh, you know, I'm going to be surprised if this goes seven games. I'm picking Edmonton, but I think L.A. is going to do the old, we are a tough out. I really do. Mm-hmm. They are and became tougher with Corpusalo. His numbers in LA are through the roof good. So, you know, they're a good defensive team now with good goaltending, which they didn't have before Corpusalo showed up. So it's going to be that much harder to score. Connor McDavid, three points in the four games against LA this year. By his standards, that's atrocious. Yep. So, like, they've done a decent job this past season. They have that 1 3 1 in the neutral zone. Um, they have Drew Doughty and Mikey Anderson, provided he's healthy, and the two centermen to make it tough. Having said all that, I got Edmonton because. They're better. They're better than they were last year. McDavid's better. Dry settles better. We can't overstate the importance of Ekholm arriving and what he's done to that Bouchard. I think they're the best yeah, team. Yeah, 14-0-1. I don't know if you could be too hot going to the playoffs, if that's such a thing. But maybe that's the only concern. Stuart Skinner has become the guy they were hoping Jack Campbell would be. Steady, reliable, good. Doesn't have to be great because the team's good enough. They play better defensively as of late. It's Edmonton. I think Edmonton's going to get it done. Sounds like Fiala didn't skate on Saturday. Velarde did on his own. Uh, Those are two big ones, right? Their availability, both real meaningful players, and Fiala in particular could make a big difference. And if you remember to a year ago, it's uncanny how L.A. has bad luck with this kind of stuff. A year ago, it was Victor Arvidsson who got hurt in the last game of the year, was it not? And he and yeah. he missed the start of that playoff series with Edmonton. Doubt he was banged. It. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, it'll be interesting, though, like, you know, the Oilers have lots of – they have lots of pressure on them. I'm in this room every day, but there's uh, – I don't know. They've been so good. Since January 11th, they've been the best team in the league. And this narrative, Johnny, that they need to try and outscore their mistakes, that's like four months ago. It's an old narrative now. They finished yeah, in their yeah, last seven yeah. games, they give up six goals. And they were meaningful games against decent teams for the most part. L.A. a couple of times in there. Vegas was in there. Um, Ekholm's made a huge difference. Team. In the West. Yeah. They're currently yeah. the best team in the West, or playing as the best team in the West. I agree. Season series was uh, two wins apiece there. That'll be a fun one. Uh, moving on to Seattle. Yeah, and Are you taking Edmonton? You didn't yes. say. Yes, yes, taking Edmonton. Okay. Yeah, for sure. Agree, Ryan, as a guy who's who's watched every Oilers game this year, yep. of all the teams in the West, how many teams give the Oilers a harder time on paper than L.A.? I'm picking Edmonton, but yeah. I'm just saying – if the Oilers could have had a magic wand and said, I'll play that team instead, you don't, yeah. you don't Colorado does. Like, the Oilers right. had lost eight of nine against Colorado until they just beat them here late in the year. So, mm-hmm. you know, and that, that includes includes the playoffs. The last two seasons, the Avalanche have given the Oilers fits and obviously swept them in the playoffs. So the answer to that question is Colorado, but L.A. is right there. Like, it's, it's, they've got the antidote, right? If, if you want right. to try and combat the two top offensive centers on the planet, what do you need? Two of the best defensive centers or two-way centers on the planet. And, John, right. you made the point. You look at the numbers head-to-head at even strength. And Deneau and Kopitar actually have done not a bad job against them. 
Um, but it's all about the power play too, right? This Oiler power play is just going at an unreal clip and, yeah. uh, you know, definitely can yeah. shift the series. Uh, okay, we were going to go into Seattle and uh, Colorado. I'll let you start here, Johnny. Nathan McKinnon, third all-time in playoff points per game among players who have played more than 50 games uh, behind Gretzky and Lemieux. Uh, the guy is, yeah, I mean, you look at the year he's had and there you go. The game he had last night to clinch first, banging out a hat-trick or against Nashville to get first in the, in the final game of the season. Uh, even without Landeskog, there's going to be enough in Colorado to get through this series. Oh, Seattle, yeah. amazing year. The strength of their depth. There'll be some goal scoring. This series really comes down to this to me, Pierre. Seattle will get outplayed, outscored by the top line of Colorado by a ton. Nor There is no answer. Nobody has one for Nate McKinnon ranting in the playoffs. McCarr, the rest of them. But where Seattle's trying to make it close is that our second and our third yeah. and our fourth line will outscore your second, third, and fourth line. That's where we will turn the tables in our favor. I just don't know if it's enough mm-hmm. to make up the difference of what McKinnon brings and his group. Power play as well, Makar as well. And and don't sleep on the year. Georgiev had a very productive season for Georgiev between the pipes as well. So I got, I got Colorado... In close games, probably higher scoring games, but like relatively short, five games or something like that. I, I think Colorado sweeps Seattle. Um, great story that the Kraken made the playoffs this year, but they feel so much to me like that team that gets there and it's like, oh, we're here. Yeah. Um, Wasn't that nice? I, yeah, I, I, I don't see a huge challenge here. The best path for the upset for the Kraken is to make this a 90% five on five series. Mm-hmm. Yes. No one in the box. Just keep this five on five and keep the lines rolling. That's their best bet. Uh, I'm glad you mentioned Gorgiev because I was going to be the, my main point with Colorado. You, I've written a couple of pieces this year about the goalie carousel because I think the summer carousel is the, is the most entertaining thing going every summer <laughs> because <laughs> front offices are literally gambling. And when Colorado traded for Gorgiev, I remember being at the draft in Montreal and I could literally hear a, a, a hush in press row. People were like, what? Hmm. <laughs> and arguably... He's been one of the stars of the goalie carousel. Like, he's had an unbelievable year. Now, this is a whole new part of his career that he hasn't really experienced. He's the number one guy heading into the playoffs. Let's see how he fares. Seattle generated a good amount of offense, fourth in the league in goals four per game, to your point of keeping it at even strength. Uh, Avalanche were 11th on that front, and the Avs with the sixth-ranked power play coming into this series. Remember what Nathan McKinnon said back when he signed his extension, we don't uh, we're not planning on winning just one cup. So how hungry are the Avs coming off a cup? And Johnny, uh, I like the call of a sweep um, because I think the Avalanche... Mind. Sorry, that was you, Pierre. I think the Avalanche understand the value. If you're trying to repeat, you got to get some series done quick. You know, you got to yeah. take advantage of the real mismatches and get those series done quick. Uh, what was the season series? Just checking. Uh, 2-1 Seattle. What's that? Yeah. It was two one Seattle. We talked to Jared Bednar today, and, and he like, listen. He, they were tough games against these guys. So, yeah. Uh, but now I, I think the focus and the like, the know how, and apparently they think in Colorado, everyone but Landeskog could be available for Game One, which is they haven't had that this year either. Yeah, Lekkanen's a huge return. I mean, That's yeah, a beefy lineup. Unbelievable for them in the playoffs. The other thing I would say is I'd be careful overanalyzing Colorado Avalanche regular season stats because basically. I don't care about any stats from that team until about February 15th on. They finally started getting bodies back, and they've turned on the switch. Mm-hmm. The first half was a complete mess for a tired cup champion full of injuries. So that's watered down a lot of areas in their game where we, you know they're better. All right, two series left. Uh, Minnesota and Dallas. The season series was two games apiece. It's the second playoff meeting. Uh, last one back in 2016 that the Stars won. Flurry v. Ottinger. Uh, potentially here. Johnny, lead us off here. Is it Flurry? That's my first question. Oh, yeah. Because Gustafson, you say that. Yeah. Because you know, you know I've been on Gustafson, the Gus, the, the bus for a while now. The Gus bus? Is that what we're calling it? That's what we're calling That's what I'm calling it. And he's been the better goalie this year. He's been the better goalie down the stretch. And the parallel to last year, where they brought in Flurry, he played well, and they went with the experienced guy in the first round, and it mm-hmm. didn't work. Not that Talbot was inexperienced, but they went, mm-hmm. they went with Flurry in the first round, not other guy who had played as well or better because they went with flurry. And I wonder if they don't go to Gustafson partly because the opposite of what they did last year. And also because he deserves to play, to play the first game. 
But doesn't matter. So that's the storyline to me, but I don't know if it matters. I have Dallas winning this series. I look at Dallas and think, what do you need? What are you supposed to need to be a Stanley Cup contender? Well, you need a good goaltender. I think Jake Ottinger is probably the best goalie in the Western Conference, maybe Hellebuck, but he's right there. Yep. You need a star-driven first line. No line in the league scored more five-on-five goals with all three guys on the ice than Pavelski, Hintz, and Robertson. You need a superstar. Oh, yeah, Robertson at 111 points or 109, whatever he had. You need a Norris Trophy caliber defenseman. Hello, Haskinen, Mira Haskinen. He is just that. Like I think they have so many pieces. Plus, Wyatt Johnson with 24. Plus, Jamie Benn with 30. Plus, Tyler Sagan on the third line with 20. Plus, with Domi and Dad. They have a lot of stuff to like in Dallas. I like their team. I think they're flying under the radar. I think they win the series, Pierre. So, I think, you know, I, I honestly, like as I said, the Devils-Rangers is the closest series for me in the Stanley Cup playoffs. The next closest series to me is this one. I, like, I think this is another pick him. Um, I don't think home ice will matter a lick. I think every game is going to be one goal. Um, mm-hmm. And in the end, I'm going to go with the goalie I'm more comfortable with. And that's not the guy that we know for sure is headed to the Hall of Fame. But rather, I think Jade Ottener is a difference here at the end of the day for Dallas. Yeah. Remember him against Calgary last year? 64 saves the final game. They lost 3 2 in like overtime. Ridiculous. Unreal. He had a 950. He was out of his mind. 950 yeah. at playoff lost. time. Yeah, so he's got some track record there. Yeah. yeah, he's incredible. I got the Dallas Stars in a in a six game series. Okay, our final series. So Minnesota's uh, definitely winning. All three of us. Yeah, listen. <laughs> yeah, we've had almost all the same picks, which maybe makes for shitty Bad podcasting. News. But I you know, I know I took the Rangers win force now unofficially because I don't make picks. Yeah, right. unofficially, officially. Yeah. Uh, Winnipeg and Vegas. Vegas was three and zero against the Jets this season. Um, Johnny, we'll lead off with you in this one. Again, keeping in mind, there's usually an upset somewhere along the way. Yeah, I think a lot of this people feel it. like this, this would, would be, be yeah. So here's my case. Okay, the Jets are the weirdest eight seed of all time. Yeah, because after 45 games this year, they were in first in the West. Yeah. Right, they're not some team that was scraping by the whole time. Yeah, know. it was rocky the last third of the season, but then it kind of righted itself the last five or six games. Yep. So there's that. I don't know how you want to interpret this stat, but the but Vegas leads the league in one goal victories. Does that mean that they're good in tight games? Sure. Does that mean they're not good enough to not play in so many one goal games? Also true. Like I don't think yeah. Vegas is you know the powerhouse number one seed that most one seeds are. They don't blow you out. They play a ton of close games. They're Now they're a Cassidy team where it's system and it's defense and it's tight checking. I don't mind Brossois. He's played very well, was just a star the last week of the regular season. He has familiarity with the Jets, so there's that storyline. Hellebuck's going to have to be excellent. To me, this series comes down to can Winnipeg and their best players stay patient long enough to not mess up? Because mm-hmm. they might have more high-end players up front than Vegas does, but can they stay with it for seven games and not give up the big turnover, the bad chance, the forced play, the whatever it might be? I don't think they can. I don't think they will. And I think the system allows the difference in Brossois and Hellebuck to be negligible. So I got Vegas in a deep one, but I'm with you, Ryan. Like I'm taking the, the, the number one seed. It wouldn't be a massive surprise to me if Winnipeg won the series. And there's an interesting subplot here, if, if you will, or at least, you know, the sequel to these two teams playing in the playoffs. 2018 was supposed to be Winnipeg's year. They really mm-hmm. were the best team in the NHL for a long stretch that year. I covered them in the playoffs that year. Didn't think there was a chance that the expansion Golden Knights could beat Winnipeg in the Western Conference Final, and Vegas smoked them. I'm just saying a lot of those Winnipeg players are still on that team. Yeah. And this would be the ultimate payback for a lot of those Jets players because that was the year. 2018 was the deepest Winnipeg team. All the stars were aligned, and they they uh, did not win when it mattered against Vegas Golden Knights. So there's an easy story to write there if you're looking for that narrative. But I just don't see a Jets team that played it good enough hockey in the second half of the season. I'm a huge believer about the second half is the real indicator. Mm. And uh, the Jets 
we're a mess for a lot of it. I think Vegas wins. Yeah, Jets have been up. They've been down. They've been almost left for dead, fighting their way back. Lots of emotion <laughs> internally. Lots of things changing. Lots going on there. Uh, but they get there, and I think they're ready to steal themselves. And I think the Connor mm. Hellebuck uh, is going to be what we're talking about in that first round series. So I will take the upset because uh, yeah. uh, I, I mean you have to take an upset somewhere. And to me. Um, this is the obvious yeah. one for me. So uh, I am well, the lone guy going Winnipeg. You think about the the tighter the margins, the easier an upset can happen. Bad bounce, good power yeah. play, good goaltending, right? So you think about Carolina Islanders, that feels like a tight margin series, even though Carolina's yeah. a better team. Yeah. Vegas Winnipeg feels like a tight margin series just because they don't score. The better team doesn't score easily. Yeah. They score mm-hmm. a lot. So it keeps the, the lesser seed around more, which – Know, mathematically it would shorten games and and offer up a greater chance for an upset so yeah not 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 the worst call you've ever made shaggy thank not you wow yeah pierre did i just get a compliment from johnny backhand i gotta mark down i gotta it was back <laughs> i'll take it man i'll take your backhanded call i'm just gonna write down the date here compliments mm-hmm. i took that as a compliment pierre you yeah yeah you should have <laughs> yes it was Okay, you were complimenting me. Now you're probably going to beat me down because I have uh, a bad idea that I'm going to throw out there as we wrap up the podcast today. So by finishing oh, we first... Gotta we got to do our Stanley Cup final prediction. Oh, you want to do what? We pick it all the way through? Okay. Man, awesome. for a guy who didn't want anything to do with the predictions, you've been all over the predictions today. Yeah, uh, official. Stanley Boston Cup final. completes the dream year over Edmonton. Interesting. That's mine. I'm halfway there with you. I'm going to take the Edmonton Oilers winning the Stanley Cup. Over? In Toronto. <gasps> over the Maple oh. oh, my God. Oh, my Put God. That. Can Put I get that to Twitter? Away. I got to get that Put to Twitter right away. now. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I love it. The Stanley Cup. The Oilers what? have a parade in Connor McDavid's old stomping grounds. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Unreal. Yeah, you wow. know, it's it's really hard as the Edmonton reporter when the team that you cover is a favorite because even if you think they have a chance, you're like, ah, do I look like the homer by Let's taking stop. them? So I kind of struggle with that a little bit. It would just be easy for my credibility to go, ah, Boston's going to beat them. Um, but the other part of me says, and I think it'll be an Edmonton-Boston final, if Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl get to the Stanley Cup final for the first time even remotely healthy... I just don't think any team beats them. I think those guys being that close to that prize and the way they can go supernova, mm-hmm. I think if they make the final, they win if they're if they're reasonably healthy. Let, let's do a quick exercise here. Who who if it's not Edmonton, who do you think it is? I know that's a bit lame, but like to me, Colorado is still a team. Or can they get enough? lined up health-wise. Where well, avoiding mini in the first round is huge. Yeah. It makes okay, their yeah. path physically yeah. less challenging. I think I, I'm, I would pick Colorado as yeah. the next. Yeah, I would pick Colorado. Me too. Well. And, I, I, and Toronto, for me, on the other side, like I think the Leafs are going to, I think the Leafs are actually going to do some damage and, and, and take a run at this thing. I think they're just going to, Boston, I think, is just too veteran, too solid, been there, yeah. done that. Those big moments where the Leafs are going to be trying to do it for the first time, Boston's been there and done that. But I think the Leafs mm. are going to break through this year. Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, my bad idea, by the way, is yes. we're going to wrap up here. So I was looking at the standing, right? Colorado, you know, they work hard. They, they get the number one seed. And as a result, you know, they end up with kind of kind of crummy travel. Uh, not an ideal scenario. Like, I'm sure you guys would have talked about this before. But what about the idea? Travel, they never get great travel, though, Colorado, That's really. True. Yeah, but what about the idea... That by finishing first, you have to pick your opponent. I love it. The top four <laughs> seeds, or maybe just the top three, depending on who picks who picks who. You get to you get to call your shot. So so naturally, you get a choice. It lines up, you know, the way that it normally would. But each team, do you want to make mm-hmm. a different selection? So you can either go no status quo. We'll just we'll just take the status quo based on the standings, or you can make a call. I think it would we be may- spectacular drama. Phenomenal. It would be. It feels a little minor league-ish, like a little gimmicky. Well, because it is, and it's your idea, so it's very gimmicky. But it, 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 but it would be amazing bullet up the board. Like, I think, well, like, if, 
if somebody's hurt, we'll take them. Or if you have a great success, or we take them, or whatever. Um, but it would be the ultimate bulletin board material. Imagine if okay, you're if you're Vegas and you're like, you know what, we don't want to take whoever Winnipeg. We'll take the Kings. Yeah, and then you're really like, what the? What are you talking about? <laughs> so yes, I'm all for the chaos, which that would absolutely bring. But I would be fearful that there'd be so many conservative. Nobody want to ruffle any feathers. They probably just they would just go by the standings. But so I like. I, it. I, I I predict with a lot of confidence that if this scenario ever played out, where the league allowed the top seeds to pick who they played, not a single team would change what the standings originally gave. Weak. But that would be okay. This is the thing. You don't implement it because you think it's going to be mayhem every year. If 95% of the time they just went with it. But what about that one time? What about that one time where a team goes, ah, hold the phone here. Don't go booking your flights just yet. We're going to take them. For instance, for real, if you could do this and Boston was willing to, it wouldn't shock me for having Boston choose the Islanders ahead of the Panthers. Right. Like more that would make sense. More predictable game flow right. in that Match series up. for them. Yeah. 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 So Skelter, Skelter. Hey. Yeah. As we talk okay. about it more, Johnny, I'm feeling like, you know, maybe there's some meat on the bone. Maybe this isn't as minor league as you made it sound. Just, maybe this is. Like, you guys know hockey people. It's, That's why you know, we get more people like Shoggy running the show. Yeah. Like, like I guarantee Innovators. John Cooper, John Cooper, one of the Disruptors. brilliant brilliant coaching minds in this league. John Cooper is going to feed off everyone picking the Leafs. Oh, he like, already has. Is, he already it, has. Like, this is going to be gold for John Cooper heading into this series. I'm telling you right now. And that's, how, that's what hockey people feed off. The whole respect angle and the, you know, it, it's... So, I just think to, to that, teams would be so scared to give a team motivation. And that's why it so, almost never happened. But imagine when it did. But, like, think of what we just said. Like, somehow them picking against you is going to get – it's the playoffs. Like, how much more motivation can you even muster? Shouldn't right. you already uh, be at max capacity? What the hell are we talking about? You would think. So, I would think. I mean, what if of you flat have. out didn't beat one team all year long? What if, for whatever reason, you were right. over against them? And yeah. the other team you were 4-0 against and only two points separated them in the standings? I don't know. I mean, oh, travel sense. will be the only excuse you can maybe see where a team says, we just don't want to travel that much, yeah. so we're picking this team. Yeah, Interesting. And then you would give the mental edge, if you don't go with the standings and you pick a different team than the team you avoided, if you end up having to face them, they wanted no piece of it. Yeah, they, want, they got your number already. Uh, I like it, boys. I like it. All Pierre, right. you'll be at the next right. GM meetings, right? Well, you bring that up. We're making the we're making the pitch, Shaggy. <laughs> Breakers, you and I will be yeah. there. It sounds good. I'm, I'm 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 trying to get the hockey back into the late '80s, where we start the playoffs and the first week of April. And yeah, you're going the other way. Thirty first, like That's one okay. thing at a time here. Okay, I'm trying to I'm trying to get our summers back here, boys. Yeah, and getting free agency the hell off of, of uh, Canada Day. That's July another big first, one too. Yeah. All right, Pierre, you yeah. carry that flag for us. Great job today, guys. Thanks. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. Right on, right on. All right, cheers, guys. That'll wrap up the podcast, folks. Big thank you for your downloads and your subscriptions. And a big thanks, as always, to our sponsors, Cross Country Canada, Supplies and Rentals, Liberty Smart Security, and, of course, Kuma Outdoor Gear. More podcasts coming your way through the playoffs. Enjoy the first few days, and we'll check in midweek. Cheers.